I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, welcome back. It's been a really snowy couple of weeks here in Utah. I attended the Sundance Film Festival. I set up a new podcast called the Sundance Podcast and decided to change the name on that one to the Film Fest Podcast. I didn't want the Sundance Institute coming after me for trademark infringement, so I thought, you know what, let's be a little more general, and that way I can cover pretty much any film festival I want. But during the film festival, I had some great interviews, and I'll be putting those out on the Film Fest podcast when I get the site up and running. But during the festival, the snow came down. In fact, probably some of the best skiing in the last 20 years occurred during the film festival and I was too busy working the festival and did not go skiing but I talked to people that uh, that went skiing during the festival the first uh, couple days of the festival Tuesday and Wednesday in particular and uh, it was fantastic skiing and uh, and I missed it I was busy doing my job being a um, part of the press at the Sundance Film Festival got a couple emails going to share them with you. The first one is from Jim in Newfoundland. He says, Hi Franz, I just wanted to say that I really enjoy every episode of your podcast and I'm very grateful that you finally have a new opening to the show. (laughs) I listen to the podcast on headphones as I work and when one podcast finishes Another begins to play automatically. It was mild torture to be surprised by the screeching gate in my ears if I couldn't get to my volume button fast enough, but your new opening is perfect. I am really enjoying when you do the longer form multi-part series, but I keep hoping you will ask each of your guests just a few questions about dockage fees in the various ports, marinas, or docks they tie up to. Some of your guests say that the prices were good, and some say the cost was reasonable or high, but this is unhelpful as these squishy terms can mean different things to different people depending on their financial situation. Perhaps you could ask the guest how much they paid per foot per night, and then we would really all know how to apply that to our boats. If all the docks in an area were around the same price, there would be no need to ask or repeat that same cost for each port if they were all within the ra- that range but one dock charged double or triple then that would be nice to know so others could be forewarned and perhaps avoid that marina the above comments were not criticisms but merely suggestions to hopefully make an already great podcast a little bit better listening to your podcast on headphones as I work away at my mind-numbing job helps lessen the drudgery by transporting my mind to salt air breezes in those far-flung exotic places. So thank you, Franz, for everything you do. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate that. Um, I'm like you, Jim. I'm pretty cost-conscious, and I do like to know the prices of things. I've tried to get information on dockage fees, but just be forewarned. In the Mediterranean, some, I mean, for my 28-foot boat, 
37 feet overall, but when I go in and, 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 and sign up at the marina, I take my documentation in with me, and it says 28 feet. And, of course, it is 28 feet on deck, but it's 37 feet overall. And all marinas like to, ta- like to charge you for that bowsprit. But I try not to say anything and let them just read the uh, my documentation, which says 28 feet, and then they usually uh, charge me based on that. But in the Mediterranean, pretty much everything's expensive, except in Greece, where there's so much free places to uh, tie up to the town marina. And if you get do get... Uh, pulled over or if the, if the man comes up and asks for money it's usually less than twenty dollars usually more like seven or eight dollars for my boat but i understand your your desire to find different prices but understand these prices change every year turkey used to be a really inexpensive place to uh, to travel but over the last 10 years during erdogan's <laughs> reign of power in turkey uh, prices have gone up and up and up and up and up, and it's still uh, cheaper than the rest of the Mediterranean, but it's not the great bargain that it was quite a while ago. And they're rapidly raising their marina prices to match uh, the competitors over in Croatia, and, and Italy's extremely expensive in general. I'll try to get more information on prices, but Quite honestly, I'll tell you, when I get off my boat, I just remember generalities. I can't tell you what the price was per foot at these marinas. I wouldn't remember. I usually forget about that the next day because it's a bad memory. So you have to have a lot better memory than I do to be able to remember the price per foot that you pay. And it's not the price per foot at these marinas, by the way. It's the price per square meter. And you guys that want to go sail a catamaran, <laughs> a catamaran around the Mediterranean, you're going to be paying an absolute fortune because it's by the square meter, not the linear length of the boat. So they take the breadth times the length, and it's a price per square meter, not the price per foot. So I hope that helps you, Jim. I'll try to ask those questions, but don't hold your breath on getting valuable information regarding that. I think it's basically just rules of thumb that you're looking at. The Mediterranean in general is fairly expensive, except you do have a lot of places you can anchor in Greece and a lot of free docks or keys you can tie up to in little villages in Greece, which make Greece, in my opinion, probably the best bargain for sailors even today. Turkey's moved away from that. I'd say Turkey's more expensive than Greece, uh, quite a bit more expensive than Greece except in the um, the fully developed marinas. And there's only a few, maybe a handful of fully developed marinas in Greece, and those are still pretty darn expensive as well. And then I got a question from Mora. Mora said, hello, I just discovered your site from the podcast Sail Loot. Considering sailing in the Med this summer, I have a question. If you put your boat on the heart in Turkey after your two-month summer sail... Does that mean that you don't sail very far from Turkey during the summer? How far and back can you get in two months? I'm asking because we are sailing from southern Spain this summer and considering where to leave the boat over the next winter. Love your site, and I'm looking forward to exploring it. Thanks for your answer in advance. From Mora. And she gave me her her website. And I checked out her website. Pretty interesting website. I won't share that because 
she didn't give me permission to do that. But I did write her back a quick response saying I'd answer, answer her email on the podcast because I think it's a question that uh, a lot of people may be thinking about as well. Well, consider that the Mediterranean, from the Straits of Gibraltar all the way over to the far eastern part, which is, uh, I think, Syria, Syria and Israel, is th- about 3,000 miles. And it's a couple hundred miles less than that to get to Turkey. So it's, say, 2,500 to, to be uh, optimistic to get from Straits of Gibraltar uh, to Turkey. Now, you can do that, in theory, in about 20 25, 28 days if you're going 24 hours a day. Well, why would you want to do that? There's no reason at all to do that. I took uh, over five years to get from the Straits of Gibraltar to Turkey. I was in no hurry at all. But how far can I get uh, in two months? Well, this summer I'm laying out a route, and my planned route is to go from Turkey and enter Greece and sail all the way through the Aegean Islands uh, around the southern end of the Peloponnese, up around the Peloponnese, back through the uh, uh, Corinth Canal, and probably come back to Turkey. So that's sort of where I'm thinking for next summer. My other alternative is to continue on west and uh, winter at either in Italy or Croatia, uh, and and those are easily doable with nice little 30-mile hops day in and day out. So you're coming down from, I don't know if your boat's in Spain right now or in Gibraltar, but I'd take your time. My least favorite country as far as the water goes was Spain. I think they've pretty much destroyed their entire coastline with... Uh, condos and real estate developments and not what's not filled up with condos and real estate developments is filled up with uh, hot houses for tomatoes or vegetables and I did not uh, I did not uh, enjoy the coast of Spain I liked the little towns we went into and I liked the Balearic Islands but Spain uh, with the exception of the little port of Estepona yeah, didn't do much for me. Now, we we moored our boat a lot when we were traveling through Spain. I was with my family that first year, and we th- we spent three months uh, sailing just along the, the Spain coast. And we got from, we started out in Sevilla, went down the river, through the Straits of Gibraltar, stopped by uh, Gibraltar, and then worked our way up the coast. And then I wintered. Uh, it took three months, basically, to get uh, from there all the way up to uh, Estepona, not Estepona, um, Alicante. Alicante is where I wintered my boat for the next two years. I didn't get back on my boat the next year because that year I took five months off to sail across the Atlantic. And so I didn't get back on my boat that next year. But I did do a trip to Europe that next year, just a, an air, airline trip to to Europe. But I mean, so you can do it as fast or as slow as you want, Maura, but I don't know why you would want to go fast. Now, if you have to worry about the VAT situation, I think your boat is probably VAT paid, if I understand it right, because your, uh, your, uh, your companion is, is British, and I think the boat would be VAT paid. 
So you're no, you're not in any hurry to get through there. If you're not, if you're not VAT paid, then you've got to play the game of getting it out of the EU every, I think it's every 18 months. For, yeah, I mean, you can do quite a bit. I mean, you can go as far as you want in two months. I could get to the Straits of Gibraltar and back again in two months from Turkey if I wanted to, but that would sort of defeat the whole purpose of sailing. But uh, two months, I think a leisurely trip around this uh, Peloponnese Peninsula and then back to Turkey, all the way across the Aegean and all the way back, pretty doable, pretty easy. Uh, sailing two months... One year we sailed, um, yeah, we sailed from Turkey and went uh, leisurely went through the Aegeans, uh, through the Corinth Canal, uh, through the Ionians, hopped over to Italy, Brindisi, which turned out to be a lot nicer town than I was expecting it to be. I actually like Brindisi a lot. And then over to uh, Dubrovnik, that was uh, a leisurely two months there and had about, oh, I guess about a week to kick around Croatia before I put the boat up. Maybe I think it was actually about two weeks before I put the boat up. So so we did that in uh, oh, a month and three weeks to get from Turkey over to uh, Dubrovnik. So you can go as fast or as slow as you want, but my recommendation is to... Uh, uh, Sometimes you want to actually have the prearrangement made of where you're going to haul your boat, and then that sort of becomes your destination. I've done that, and then I've actually got to the point where I did not want to haul my boat out of that location. I wanted to go to a different place, and fortunately for me, the the deposits that I put down to hold my spot in the marinas uh, were refunded. So that's... That's sort of what you might look at is say, well, where do we want to haul out and sort of plan your trip to where you're going to be hauling out. All right. Well, I am proud to announce that I have a sponsor for a few podcasts, and that's Sailrite. And Sailrite's a company that I've uh, dealt with for a long time. I don't buy a lot of stuff from them, but they have some fantastic products, and they have... (laughs) One of the best series of YouTube videos out on how to do things with uh, with boat canvas, with sails, with leather, uh, with their machines. Um, I've got a couple hand dolls that I always have on my boat and at home, and I've sort of <laughs> made them work. But I never really understood how they were supposed to work until I actually watched a YouTube video that Sailrite had put on on how to use these hand dolls. And that's a tool that should be in every one of your little uh, bosun bags for for sail repair. Because when you get through five layers of Dacron cloth, it gets pretty hard to push a needle through that, and these awls can do it. But I am proud to announce that Sailrite is becoming a sponsor for for, uh, a few episodes. And I'm going to share with you an advertisement I did about them and I encourage you to check out their website at sailrite, S-A-I-L-R-I-T-E dot com. I want to tell you about a sponsor of the show, Sailrite. Sailrite's a company that's been around since 1969. And I think I actually looked at their catalog oh, not too long after they were established. I was looking at one point in time on actually building my own sails. And this was the one company that had kits for sail building. Now, I never went that direction, but I've always liked what the company has done. 
I know when I was searching for sail plans, I just did a Google search for sail plans on my boat one time, and lo and behold, Sailrite had all the dimensions for my boat, and they probably have it for yours as well. Now, Sailrite is a company that provides sewing machines, really high-quality sewing machines for the do-it-yourselfer, probably the best industrial do-it-yourself sewing machine on the market. And with this, you can do a lot of your own canvas work. You can do sail work or sail repairs. In addition to that, they sell a lot of fabrics for upholstery. And what I really like about the company, I'll be quite honest with you, is their YouTube videos. They have, I think, hundreds and hundreds of YouTube videos on how to do things, how to make a winch cover, how to make a spray dodger, how to make a bimini top. They've got them all. They put together detailed, detailed YouTube videos to help you take on these projects. So this is an endorsement of a company that I believe in. I've used their products in the past, and I will continue to use their products in the future. And I'm glad that they're a sponsor of the Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. So check out their website. It's www.sailrite.com. And check out their YouTube videos and see if there's some projects you want to take on. All right, with that introduction, long introduction out of the way, let's get on to my next interview with Jack Andrews. Jack has been busy traveling around, and I was just starting to talk to him about what he's been up to, but I thought, I'll just start the recorder and we'll talk about it <laughs> instead of going over it a couple times. So, Jack, I, th- I got an email from you because you, you were willing to do another episode with me, but then you outlined your, uh, your travel schedule over the last couple weeks. <laughs> share, share with everybody what you've been up to. Yeah, so, um, so we left um, Ireland to go to the boat show. And um, shortly after that, we sort of headed back to the boat, to back to the Marina de Ragusa to live on the boat. And that meant that uh, we had a carload of stuff to bring over. So that was a car trip through Europe, which um, started off in Ireland. Um, Julia and the kids um, left a little bit later and they flew to Paris and then on to Italy. And Julia's dad, Peter, and I, we drove from pretty much the middle of Ireland, uh, caught a ferry across to France, and that was overnight. Uh, Drove the next day through France, um, ended up in Montpellier, and spent the night there. Then drove across to Italy, Livorno, to catch another ferry that took us to Palermo and that was another overnight ferry And but that drive was pretty crazy because there was a huge bushfire which cut the main highway and if, you, if you're going along that highway um, that goes past Monaco and so forth it, it's you're either at 250 metres of elevation or in a tunnel um, and all the towns are pretty small towns and small areas so they're not used to traffic so they had to divert this freeway around into the town because they closed the freeway off due to this fire so we made that ferry from Italy to Palermo by the skin of our teeth Um, so that left at about 11.30 at at night and uh, got us into Palermo at 5pm the next day and uh, we then 
drove across Sicily from Palermo to Marina de Ragusa, where uh, we got on the boat by about one o'clock in the morning. So that was one trip, and then after that, we're heading off the other way. So, wow. So, yeah, so we offloaded the car, waited for uh, Julia and the kids to turn up, um, picked them up from Catania because they flew into Catania, which is only an hour and a half away, so it's not too bad. Um, they were on the boat for two days, and then Peter and I got back in the car, and we drove across Sicily again, back to Palermo. This time we caught a ferry to Genoa, got off at Genoa, drove through the through Mont Blanc Tunnel, um, which is quite surprising how warm it is in the middle of that tunnel. It was 19... Nearly 20 degrees Celsius inside the tunnel, and we popped out the other side. Uh, it was minus nine, so it's quite a temperature difference through that tunnel. And uh, I ended up driving to Paris and got on a plane from Charles de Gaulle because I had to go to a um, a conference in London for a couple of days. So Peter then got stuck driving the car back to Ireland which uh, took him another day and a half because one of the ferries wasn't running the regular schedule and had a smaller vessel, so uh, he couldn't get on it. Um, so after the conference in, in London, jumped on another plane back to... Um, wait, I, I jumped on... I can't even remember where <laughs> I flew to. But yeah, so anyway, back to Catania um, at the end of it. And got picked up by Julia this time on a high, you know, hired a car to pick me up. And then we spent the weekend, um, went to the Valley of Temples um, here, which is about a two-hour drive away last weekend. Uh, and this week has been back on the boat and um, for me and no plans of going anywhere at this point in time. Well, certainly not past locally. So what's the weather like where you're at right now? I know it's, let me back up because I want to ask you, why did you take a ferry from Palermo up to Genoa and not drive along the coast of Italy? Was it just too long to get down the coast? Was it faster to take a ferry? It's yeah, okay. So it's it's a real sort of it gives you a break from driving first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. Because otherwise you're in the car constantly, you know, doing I mean, the speed limits are pretty good, but, you know, they're pretty full on. Um, you know, you probably know what the Italian drivers are like. I mean, they drive one speed and that's fast. And so you're rocketing along at about 130 kilometers an hour. So what's that, 70 to 80 miles an hour constantly? Yeah. And uh, you do that all day. You know, it's, it's just good to break it up. It'd be three days of that. So t taking the ferries just gives you a break from that. Um, you also have to pay for accommodation, and the ferry trips are really well priced. Like for um, 230 euro, that'll get you a ferry plus a cabin, uh, and you know you've got the car on board, and you've got a cabin, and you get on the ferry and you get off rested, okay. ready to drive. I never even thought about taking a ferry all the way from Genoa down to Palermo. I, I would just, to me, I would think, oh, there wouldn't be one. But I guess there are a lot of ferries that go back and forth between Sicily and, and other ports in Italy. Yeah, there is. I mean, that Genoa 
Paloma one runs daily, and this is you know the off season. Oh, okay. Um, and it's uh, forty nine thousand tons. Oh, big boat then. Yeah. So it's not like you feel much. I mean, it'd have to be a pretty decent storm to to stop it. So, um, and the food on board is pretty good. So again, uh, the only the only thing we suffered on that on that one was uh, the internet service wasn't crash hot. But um, yeah, that was that was the only complaint I would have with it. The rest of it was pretty good. Um, we were catching that one from Palermo back to Genoa, and from Palermo they have a service that runs to Tunisia. Okay. And that was leaving roughly about the same time. And we we're going past these cars on the freeway. And there was a, about as much in height of material loaded on top of the car on the roof as there was in the height of the car. <laughs> and we're looking at this car going, how's that? You know, <laughs> you know, obviously things just go on the road here and most people just turn a blind eye to it. But um, that was just crazy. This, this vehicle is stacked you know, its own height again on top of the roof rack with just stuff. And it was, it wasn't, you know, tarp. It was just like wound together with bits of string and, and so on on the freeway doing, you know, 70 miles an hour. And um, I'm sort of thinking, I wonder if he's going to catch a ferry because <laughs> he's heading, heading the right way. And it was, you know, it was pretty late at night. We're heading towards to catch this ferry. And it was a midnight ferry. And uh, we get there, and there's like about another 20 of these cars, and they're all going to, to Tunisia. And they've just packed these cars. It was crazy to see what they've put on these things. It looked as though they'd sort of gone to secondhand shops or tips or whatever and just picked up anything and just stacked it on these cars, filled it to the same height that you'd have a semi trailer sitting at in some cases, and we're getting on this ferry. So, so, so these sound like they may have been merchants going back and forth and getting materials oh, definitely. to sell. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely were merchants heading back because, like, one car was packed with just kitchen sinks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, but the uh, the ferries are good. I, I think uh, they're, they're certainly worth using if you are going to um, try and drive. I mean, driving through Italy, we've done a little bit of that before. Um, you know, it's a case of there's two ways to drive. Either you're going to go on the coast and take your time and enjoy it, or you're just down the freeway. And if you're down the freeway, then it's pretty much the same anywhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not much to, to gain from, from that sort of driving. Um, the tolls make it pretty expensive, though. So I think if we get into that situation where we want to take a carload of stuff back to the boat again, I think it's it just makes a lot more sense to actually um, ship it because by the time you look at accommodation over the two nights that you need accommodation for or two to three nights depending on how quickly you go um, and then the, all the road tolls um, you know you're looking at easily more than what it would cost you to ship it. Hmm. All right, I'm looking at a, a map of of uh, Sicily. And if you landed in Palermo, how did you get down to Marina de Ragusa? Did you go by Terramina, or did you go uh, over from Palermo down to Catania and then down around that way, or how did you? Uh... 
How did you get there? Um, okay, so we took the main freeway all the way through to the middle of the island. Okay. And okay, yeah. So it goes along the so it goes along the coast. And then, and then it then hops. It yeah, then it goes yeah. up into the mountains there. Okay. Correct. It goes through the mountains, and then once so that part of the trip, you know, is pretty good. It's a good road, and it's pretty easy to do. Um, the rest of it is very windy. It's you know narrow roads. Uh, quite often, they're subject to flooding. And if it rains a lot, it can be pretty slow in areas. Um, you know, the, the guys in Sicily sort of always have a third lane, which is the overtaking lane, irrespective of whether it's two lanes or not marked on the road. And, um, you know, a, a couple of times that we've been on the roads recently, we're seeing some accidents. So when Peter and I were driving uh, back to Marina, Duragusa, there was an accident that had blocked one of the roads and the same happened on the drive back from the airport. Um, so the roads are narrow, it's mountainous, and it's Italian drivers. You know, they just go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at uh, at it. So I never got as far on my boat in Sicily as uh, as Palermo. I stopped at Cefalu and took the bus into Palermo from there. So I, okay, yeah. All right, well, so we haven't done that part of it as yet, and that's certainly an area that we want to do. We've, you know, we've come down um, on the east side. Yes, yeah, so and we've Catania the, and Syracuse, and uh, yeah. those are the two main ones, I think, right? Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, let's yeah. not get there yet. We've got we to gotta go uh, in methodical order on this, uh, this series of episodes. So let's, All right. let's start where we left off last time, which I think was Zadar, right? Zadar, that's right. So we um, we had that big blow that was in Marina Boric. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we, we shifted the boat um, to Zadar because the marina didn't offer a lot of protection and we were miles away from the shops. Uh, we needed to reprovision. And we spent two days in Zadar. Um, we walked around and enjoyed the place, had lunch, so forth went across in the dinghy to the old town. and um, Now, is the old town that, on the peninsula, that little peninsula area? It is. Okay. Yeah, it's on the peninsula. Um, and from memory, since we're talking about costs a little bit more, and I've got coming up, Julia did a great job writing down the costs on the spreadsheet, so I've actually got those. But from memory, I think Zadar was um, about 70 euro for us. And getting back to us, we're... 46 feet overall, or 13.95 meters. Okay, yeah. I appreciate so that because, uh, yeah, I sent you that email, and, and I talked about it in the introduction about uh, one of our listeners said, geez, give me some information, because it's all relative. What may be uh, cheap for you may be expensive to somebody else. So, but Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just on that point, um, speaking of costs, for the wintering charge in Marina de Ragusa, we're paying 1,700 euro for seven months. Okay. Um, that includes water, but does not include electricity. Okay. And there's no haul-out facilities there, though, is there? No, there is. There's, there's a really big crane. Um, I'm not sure what the capacity is, but it's, um, it's certainly capable of taking out you know, 47-foot cats. I guess what I meant by that, land storage. Oh, okay. 
there is there is some land storage. There are a few boats that are on the hard, but nowhere near as much as some other places. Okay. Like like I know that uh, the marina, Cleopatra Marina in Greece, for instance. I mean, I, I'm not sure how many boats they have on the hard, but it looked like there was a thousand. Yeah. Uh, having been one of those boats at one point in time, that's a huge uh, dry haul out facility. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, so back to Zadar. So we um, we actually went into the town in that previous episode, and um, and I was thinking about what you said that you didn't actually go in there because because of the marinas, and you know I think you would have struggled trying to get your boat in there in some cases. That's pretty uh, it's pretty small turning areas. Yeah, it looks like go. it. And when I'm looking in Google Earth, it looks like it's really tight going in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some sea organs in the old town along the um, western part of that peninsula. What does that mean? Because I saw cool. that on the map. What What do you mean by sea organs? So the wave action um, channels. You know, like you have the blowholes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Typically, so yeah, but uh-huh. in these in this particular case, it's sort of it's designed to to sound like an organ as as a wave or a swell hits that uh, shoreline. So it's so actually people. it's built into the 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 key. Yeah. Oh, okay. It is. Yeah, it's built in. So you have people sitting there and you know enjoying some lunch and just listening to to the sound of the waves through the organs or through the pipes. Huh. So I guess the uh, the compressed air is caused by the waves coming in, and, correct? Uh, yeah. And, and uh, blowing it through the pipes, and so the uh, the the stronger the wind or the bigger the waves, I guess. The more yeah. the more sound you have, then. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, if, it, if it's too blowy, you'll probably get wet as well. <laughs> so, um, and after Zadar, well, whilst we're in Zadar, um, we decided to um, plan a trip to the Cornady Islands. So that was going to be our next destination. It wasn't going to be the next stop, but certainly the next destination. Um, was uh, Declan's birthday coming up, and we thought we'd try that as a location to celebrate a birthday. Um, that didn't work out so well, but I'll go into that later. But uh, yeah, the Canadi Islands. So you pay to go to the islands, and because it's a national park, um, and if you look at if you look at the islands themselves, you know they're, they're certainly heavily promoted, but we sort of felt that maybe we picked the wrong islands to visit. And there is another national park there as well, which I'm not sure whether you've been to. Have you been to the Kornati Islands? Well, now, I'm trying to think of which... Are these the ones that are just to the west of Zadar? Um, yeah, well, okay. So we left so we left Zadar, and the first place we went to, we did an easy sail to um, a little anchorage where we spent the night. It was... Uh, Ravenna Luca, I think it was. Okay. And that is about going along the coast. You go about 20 miles, statute miles, down the coast. And then come through that little uh, that little cut that comes through there. Is that where you're talking yep. about? Yep. That's it. You go a little bit further than that, and there's a little bay there, and okay. there's a resort called Ravenna Luca. Anyway, so we, we just stayed there the night. 
with the intention to sail across to the islands the next day. Okay. And if you go uh, perpendicular to the main coast straight out from that point, you'll see, you'll pretty much uh, hit Otok Kornata or Kornat. So that's the Kamadi. Yeah, there's islands. a whole bunch of little islands through there. That is that whole group, the Kornati Islands. I think it is. That's, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah, and it's. And you get a restricted entry point. Um, there's a north and south entry point to get into that group of islands. So I didn't I go in there. Just... I avoided those, and I, I went. I did not go in there, so I did not visit any of those islands through there. Right. Okay. And I think there's a there's another national park that's on an island north of the Canadies, which uh, which could be of interest. But so the Canadies are very. Um, they're very windswept. They're very rocky. Um, there's a lot of little islands. There, a lot of little bays. But it, you know, if the thing that it, it seems to be lacking or it lacked for us was some sandy beaches or some walking trails that were marked or anything like that. It uh, it was just sort of desolate little islands, which were quite picturesque but with very little to do other than sail through the area. Now, I stayed at the uh, marina at Zut, that there's a marina there. That That's pretty much where I I left Sibenik and went north, um, and that's, uh, that's pretty much where I ended up was at Zut, which is on Luca Zut. There's a little marina up there on the north, and that's... Uh, so I didn't go to the Coronati Islands, but right. right oh, okay. Okay. So where is that one? That's um... okay. If you um, if you go basically due south from Zadar, straight south, you'll come. You'll go across one island and then another island, and it's uh, it's um, Luca Zut Z U T S and. Uh, and uh, I actually didn't go into the oh, marina. Oh, okay. I, right. I, so it's I, right next. It's right next to the national park. Right. Mm -hmm. it just uh, so I, I'd actually sailed up between uh, along that big island, which is uh, Statival Island, I, mm -hmm. which is part of the national park. So I sailed by it, but I didn't go, didn't land anywhere on the island. So I didn't anchor anywhere on the island. So I went around the north yep. end, and then around to uh, Zut or Zut, however you don't want to pronounce that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's quite good. Um, so we had quite uh, we had a good sail across to the Cronades, uh, and the wind sort of picked up later. And as we entered the southern entrance, um, you have to sort of then sail northwest, and and the wind was pretty much coming from that direction. So we then dropped the sails and turned the motor on and looked for a place to uh, to go in and had quite a few little bays and little restaurants where you can eat at and you know typically <laughs> now just on the, on the other on the Canary Islands you actually pay to get into the park mm -hmm. and there's a whole bunch of moorings that are in front of little restaurants or little restaurants that have a couple of moorings that uh, you expect that if you pick up a mooring you might actually have to pay for it but According to uh, what we've been told, that when you actually pay to be on the islands, you can take any mooring you like without having to pay for it. Um, but 
the one that we stayed on was in front of a, a little restaurant and we didn't um, we didn't eat there but we had a few drinks there um, there was obviously nothing to pay but there is a sort of expectation that if you park outside of uh, a little mooring field and it's got a restaurant there that you either eat at the restaurant or or that you might have to pay for the mooring but not in the Canary Islands now, where did you pay? Now, was there an entry point that you had to get off your boat and go pay someone, or did you do it online? How did you uh, how did you arrange it? So it was there was some information about it online, but when we were actually in the marina in Zadar, uh, there was a little tourist, sorry, um, something little little hut. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they were selling tickets. So, yeah, we picked them up from there. You could have picked them up from a couple of other places around, but uh, that was probably the best best place for us because it was walking distance from where we were in uh, in the marina. Okay. So, um, yeah. And yeah, that makes a lot more sense because I remember reading on 777 that there was a fee, but it and it gave, I think, a phone number or something like that to call. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But uh, but I I never I decided it was just more trouble than it's worth. At that point in time, I was also sailing by myself, so I said, ah, there's no point to do any at that point in time. So uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so we spent um, I think two nights. Yeah, two nights in the Canadi, and um, the kids were sort of itching to leave there and and find a place where they could go for a swim. Um, so, and that was said to us quite subtly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, the Canadians do have, uh, areas where they've got some, these wonderful cliffs that go straight, you know, down and you, you got 80 meters of water below you and, uh, you know, a, a 40 meter cliff above you and you can sail right up to it or, you know, motor right up to it. You can pretty much touch the rocks as you as you're going past. Well, we didn't get that close, but it sort of feels that way. Yeah, yeah. All right. So there's a um, there's a lot of little. Um, I mean, when I was going up there and on seven seven seven, it didn't look like there were that many places to tie up. But maybe I just didn't read it close enough. Oh yeah, no, there is. There's quite a few bays there. There's restaurants in some of those bays. There, there is actually a ACI marina on one of the islands as well. Okay. All right. So yeah, if you zoom in and look at the detail, there's there's quite a bit there. Yeah, yeah. I think that Marina Zut may be one of the ACI marinas. Actually, maybe not. It just says Marina Zut, Zut, whatever it is. But uh, right. Yeah. Just a long, long pier, and it looks to me like you just back into it along the way there. All right, so where uh, from yeah. Granada you wanted to go swimming? Where did you go? Okay, so Julia went hit the triple seven, and she found a place, um, Port Cucina Cacan Otok. Oh, that is a tough one. Um, <laughs> so I, I just Port butcher Cus- them. I Port just Cus- butcher them all. Yeah, Port Cucina Cacan Otok. So we moored there, and that was 
That was 250 kuna to spend the night there. And the mooring balls, and so, okay, so where is it? It is, let's have a look at the map. And the mooring balls there were not in good repair. Um, you know, there were some that had been ripped right off, and you know, <laughs> the, um, the, the actual eye had been ripped off the mooring ball. Oh, wow. So you had to put, put the line under the ball if you wanted to use it. Uh, which didn't make you feel so good about the maintenance on them. So, you know, they're charging 250 kuna for you to be there, but it didn't look as though there was much attention going into looking after these things, which is a bit of a shame. Um, so I'm just trying to find the place. Um, and it was a little bay which wasn't quite sandy, but it was far better for the kids to swim in and it was far more protected um, than the other ones were and I I am struggling to find it so but roughly it would have been heading in an easterly direction easterly direction okay so sort of towards uh, not not southeast but sort of straight back across towards the mainland then huh yeah yeah and, uh, you know, we got there uh, not too late in the day, so it wouldn't have been a very long sail either. Probably would have been another 20, 15 nautical miles or something. Okay. Um, so you're a little north yeah. of Sibenik then still. You haven't gone through to Sibenik yet. No, we haven't. Um, you know, we anchored there that, that night, and uh, it was... It was nice. The kids had fun in the water. Um, we then had a big power boat with German techno music um, <laughs> blaring through the entire place. <laughs> and it was quite quite a few boats there. Um, yeah, this, this boat was huge. It, uh, it had a big blow-up uh, toy on the back of it, and we're talking about it like a three-story power boat. And and the blow up toy was about as tall as it was. <laughs> so anyway, um, so the next destination was Sibenik. Okay. I think. Um, get back to the spreadsheet here. Oh, you're organized today. Oh yeah, trying to be. Not just doing it's it for memory then, huh? It's starting. It's starting to be too long ago now. <laughs> Um, yes, so the next destination was Sibenik. We went to Marina Mandalina in Sibenik, mm -hmm. and it's quite a big marina, but it's you know it's not too close. It's not close to the town. You can take a water taxi to the town. Yeah, it's a long but, walk from uh, the from there to the town, isn't it? Yeah. So we didn't do a lot of uh, stuff in the town. We reprovisioned a little bit from local stores, you know. We were there for two two nights. Um, did some laundry, which was good. Uh, I don't have a price on what it cost us to stay That's there. That's all right. Yeah, it, but, but, um, but it's not cheap. We know that. So yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty good. Usual usual prices. I mean, you know, it was, it was starting to get a little bit later in the season now, mm -hmm. and we found it started to get a little bit quieter. So the marinas were fairly empty and easy to get into at this point. 
Um, so what uh, what is this? This is a, is a, this uh, August September? What are we talking about now? So we're talking about the 29th and 30th of August. Okay. All right. Um, and we then wanted to go to Scraton after Sibinik, obviously, mm -hmm. which everybody does. Um, so we, after the two nights in, in Mandalina Marina, we um, cruised down the river. And you've done that, right? I've done it, I think, three separate yeah. times. Yeah, two or three. Three separate times. Two or three separate times. I know I've sailed up it, all the way up at one time while everybody's motoring by me. And uh, I saw yeah. somebody on that uh, that bridge that you go under, that big, tall bridge, bungee yep. jumping off that bridge when I went under it. <laughs> Didn't land on the mast, right? No. <laughs> um, so, yes, we... We didn't have the wind to sail up there, but um, so we were motoring. But did you have police picking people up for speeding in that area? No, uh -uh. no, I didn't. Okay. I did not. But uh, but well, yeah, we did. I know they say you're not supposed to go more than what five knots or something like that through there. Yeah, it, it's it's super slow, and it, it's quite amazing the size of the boats they get through there as well. Yeah, but yeah, the speed limit is is fairly slow. It's uh, and you really have to watch it because um, we were maintaining the speed. Um, but, you know, this guy on a jet ski went past us and all of a sudden there's blue lights and a Zodiac chasing him. And uh, we go around the corner and there he is pulled over, <laughs> getting a ticket or whatever whatever happens in Croatia. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, don't speed through there. Um, so we, we went... All the way, we didn't go all the way to um, Scraton on the first uh, first day. We ended up um, pulling in and anchoring at Raslin. Okay, where's which, that? Is that at that by that lake? Past that lake? Or I'm trying to look at this where this is. Maybe okay, so it's map. in it's in the big lake. Okay. And it is. Just as you get into the lake, so you go through the first part of the river, the zigzags, and Raslin is the little town on the. Um, oh, there it is. The okay, yeah, it's on the the, e west, the side. west side, about halfway up that yeah. lake. Okay, yep. is there a marina there? Is there a bay there? No. So if you come in, um, there's the populated area, and then there's like a little peninsula. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the yeah, we just pulled up in there. We saw a few other boats in there. Okay. And it, it was great. I mean, it was shallow. It was relatively shallow. That's so what I was going to say. I looked at that and I wasn't sure of the depth because I don't think my chart showed me the depth of that. So I don't didn't head up there. But uh, yeah, you were being fine. I think we we're in. I think we we're in about. Uh, you get six to four meters, but it's it's a soft. Soft bottom. Soft seabed. Yeah, soft bottom. Um, and we were great, except for when the wind changed and blew the mosquitoes from that little uh, wooded area. Mm -hmm. The little peninsula there. Yeah. The little peninsula, yeah, when the wind changed and all the mosquitoes came across to the boat. But, uh, you know, that how was... Did, okay. How did you deal with mosquitoes this year? I mean, did you end up putting uh, netting over everything? Because mosquitoes are always a problem on my boat. I mean... Yeah, well, I remember your boat with netting that uh, with the weights on it. I mean, that's a pretty good idea. Um, 
Yeah, you you were there because... when I tested that out too. That was the first year I'd actually done that, and it did work oh, out right. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that worked well. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of patches, and you got two options: you're either going to be hot, or you're going to get bitten by mosquitoes. I think is is the option, the two options you have, because um, you know they come in um, now. We've been buying citronella candles. Mm -hmm. So when, when we were in a marina, we connected to power. We'd run those little um, heaters that would um, heat the oils. And when we weren't connected to power, we were using citronella candles. Then we also had a few mosquito coils that we would, um, on occasions, put out. And the trouble with those is that you know you can't just not a concrete floor you're putting them on you know it's your boat so typically we'd put them inside a pot mm -hmm. and put them out um and then just sprays and you can even get citronella bands that you can put on the kids oh okay yeah i haven't found the magic bullet for that i've, I've usually found that i just put on mosquito repellent and about uh, about two or three in the morning it wears off so i have to get up and reapply it so Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. You always get that 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning mosquito that's buzzing around your head yep. that you end up having to chase down with a torch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, so the next day you and, headed on over then, huh? Yeah, but before we did that, um, we were lying in bed, and then all of a sudden we hear this plane flying overhead, and um, it's getting louder and louder and louder, and it sounds as though it's just going right over the top of us and we're running out on deck and it is going over the top of us. There was two water bombers coming in to land and collect water and they were practicing by buzzing all the boats that were anchored in, <laughs> in that area. <laughs> and these things were just like clearing the mast by, you know, a few hundred feet and then landing, you know, 500 feet away in the water, scooping water up and then coming back and doing it again. Oh, wow. There wasn't a fire? They were just doing some testing then, huh? It wasn't a fire. They were just practicing because they, a lot of the times they weren't actually scooping the water. They were just pretending to scoop and then come, coming back around and repeating the exercise. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so we put some of that video up on on the Facebook page. All and, right. uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting show. Yeah, I was actually in Turkey one time in a bay, and there was a big fire on shore, and uh, and it wasn't one of those water bombers, but the helicopter came over with a big barrel that dropped it in the water and lifted it up and went and dropped oh, it yeah. on the areas. Yeah. yeah, watched that for quite a while. It's always entertaining. It uh, seemed to put out the wa the fire pretty well too. Yeah, well that's good. We see, we saw exactly the same aircraft fighting a fire. Uh, that we, when we were caught in that um, diversion off the freeway in Italy. Oh. So, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so then we went over to um, to the ACI Marina in Scraton after you, that. You didn't anchor, huh? No, we didn't because um, we were picking some people up in Scraton and we had to hire a car. Um, so there was going to be a, a bit of fussing around and a bit of tourism type stuff. And, um, but the, we, there were plenty of boats on anchor right across from, uh, from the ACI Marina and 
by this time we're sort of you know we're trying to anchor as much as possible but um problems for us were you know it was our first season there no water maker lots of people on the boat uh rubbish starts to collect no power and being very power hungry um we've got you know the, the house battery only had 240 amps on it so you know that gives you 120 amps usable if you only take them down to 50%, which you should never go below. So, yeah, power was an issue for us. Water was an issue for us. The water, not so much. We could do about three days off the water that we had. Um, but power would have to, if we are on anchor for a couple of days, we'd have to be running something to charge the batteries back up. Now, how many people are you having on your boat now? Is it uh, you, you pretty much at uh, seven people, five people? So, so normally we just normally it's just the five of us. So Julia and myself and the three kids, and you know the kids eight through to twelve. So you know they're not they don't take up a lot of space. Um, but when we have visitors, we usually would have you know two visitors. So then for short periods, the boat would go to seven people. Yeah, you have a nice, comfortable cockpit. So I've seen pictures of you in the cockpit. It looks pretty comfortable for it. It is. There's plenty of room in the cockpit. That's that's. It is good for that. I mean, it's not huge, but it's it's good enough. Well, when you go back um, again, that 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 there's tremendously good holding, uh, anchoring yes. across there. I mean, it's deep, deep, deep mud, and you're not going anywhere over there. Uh, yeah, I got so in a real strong, strong, strong blow and didn't didn't budge an inch. Neither did anybody else was anchored over there. All right. Yeah. Well, we saw where the anchorage was, and um, and they seemed to be packed in there as well. So obviously the holding was pretty good, like you said. Yeah. One night I was on the boat. Would come back and it was blowing a, right down the river, really hard down the river. So we had to sort of crab our way over to the boat. And ours was the last boat before it just turned into the river. And we got on the boat and got on board. And we were down below talking. And suddenly we hear this pound, pound, pound on the hull. And there were some, I think, some German charter boat people that were, they didn't have a motor on their dinghy. They had paddled over from the town and were being blown down, down <laughs> the river. And that was their last hope before they were blown all the way down river. And they grabbed on and I jumped in the dinghy and towed him back up to their boat with my with my little outboard so all right yeah that's pretty strong wind but uh we were there the day that we left we actually saw um two massive boats come in and they tied up to the town dock oh uh, the mega the boat. mega yachts yeah i saw a, yeah. one of those while i was there as well yeah and you sort of think how did they get these things through around some of those bands. But there was also some of those anchored in, in that big in that big bay area before you even get to uh, you know, going up to that river part of Scraddon. And uh, they were massive. But uh, yeah, really, really big boats. And you, and one comes in and you think, okay, that's pretty impressive. And then all of a sudden you turn around there's another one that's either the same size or bigger. Um well, everybody wants to visit Kirka Falls. I assume you visited Kirka Falls while you were there, right? No, we you, didn't go. You didn't? <laughs> no. Nah. That's the reason you go up there. No, nah, 
It was like, uh, everybody's going up there. It just, it just don't seem too touristy. <laughs> it was pretty damn impressive. You know, that was the... Uh, the sec- that was where Tesla put his first generating facility a day after. Oh, really? A day after Edison put one on the uh, on the Niagara Falls, so he just oh, missed it by okay. a day. So that's where the the second generating facility was put put in. Of course, Tesla and, and uh, Edison were were rivals, and uh, yeah. But this is where Tesla put his generating facility. It was on Kirka Falls. So you, well, you that you, would make it interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they still have some remnants of the old generation uh, equipment up there. But it's pretty spectacular. I'm really disappointed. Oh, well, it'll give you an excuse <laughs> to go back again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. We're rushing it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, everybody else was going. <laughs> it's like, nah, don't worry about it. We just came here to sail up the river. <laughs> All right. Um, so then... We left, obviously, heading back out. We, um, let's see, where did we stop after that? All right, now I'm going to tell you a quick story, and I've told this on podcast before, but so I'm anchored over there, yeah. and, uh, and uh, we anchor there, and three days later we find a big snake on our boat, and that's where oh, yeah, it had that's to come right. out. I, yeah. told, I told Julia that's where the snake came from. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, but that's... <laughs> See, that's another reason why it was good that we didn't moor there. Because I did tell her that was because you were in the mooring area. <laughs> so you probably wouldn't have got the snake if you went to the marina. Probably not. You're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he'd been on the boat for a couple of days. Yeah, right? he. I don't know how long it'd been. Well, well, that's the only place he really could have gotten on the boat that I could imagine. But, uh, yeah, we went down and spent... Uh, Oh, it was we went from there down to well, we had at least three days before we found him. So it was on when we were crossing over to Mejet that we found him on board. So that was a couple right. of days later. Yeah. So anyway, so continue on with your story. So yeah, so when we left Scraton, we didn't go very far. We went, um, you know, the marina cut time, which is usually twelve or you know, mid. It's two o'clock in the afternoon, I think, regularly. In Croatia, it seems to be 2 p.m. that you have to be out of the marina by. Mm-hmm. Um, so we headed over to, on the way in, we saw that there was a little restaurant with a jetty, and we heard more about it. So as soon as you get out of that marina at ACI, you go under that bridge, and on the left is not long after the bridge. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah, there's a dock there with the There's the a dock and a restaurant attached. Okay. So you can you can tie up there for free if you eat at the restaurant. So we decided to tie up there and eat at the restaurant that night. We had lunch on the boat and then went to the restaurant. Um, yeah, the restaurant was pretty nice. The uh, the food was very meaty, basic Croatian food. But uh, you know, probably what we saved in mooring fees, we spent on the meal so it wasn't a cheap meal okay uh we, and then added a bit to it now you've got seven people on board now or five now at that point in time there was seven of us okay yeah and um then we we left there and we headed to marina frapper which was a fairly decent hike 
and it's let's see and so, so you're coming actually, you're coming all the way down the river out through and when you came into Sibinik, did you see those uh those submarine uh pens oh on? yes yeah yes yeah and uh we saw them somewhere else as well and they were even bigger i think that was Montene montenegro has some as well yeah okay. yeah they do um yeah but there's more of them around i think i think it was when we first came across from um italy on that last session and we checked into croatia hmm, okay. we saw some decent sized ones on on that island you know that little little small one that we checked into that was tiny tiny check-in spot yeah um but anyway, so uh, we stayed at the restaurant, so that was free to stay in, and then headed to Marina Frappa. So on the chart, on on the charts, well, I actually got Google Maps, but came out of Sibernik, and you go down to uh, Marina Frappa. So you're sailing down. And okay, yeah, it is. If you look at the land side of it, I'll, I'll measure a distance from Sibnik actually because that, that would be probably the best thing. It is about 22. Uh, 10, 10 nautical miles, roughly. Yep. So. Okay. And so you went all the way out. So as a crow flies in, you uh, you come out and then you. Uh, but as a crow yeah, so flies, it's about ten miles. Okay. Yeah. As a crow flies, ten miles. And. So Marina Frappa is a relatively newish marina, um, a lot of capacity. Um, okay, it's tucked it's, up in that, that little corner there then. It is tucked up in the sort corner. Sort of a little dog leg there. Rogiznica. Rogiznica seems to be the town next to it. Yeah, okay. Uh huh. So that um, is a new marina then, I think. I don't think I've been up there. I went I did I don't I do remember going maybe down that bay. Uh but I'm not positive that was a bay I went down. And I just anchored at the end. But uh I'm not sure that's the one. It starts to jumble together there. But so you went And to there's a, that really fantastic little um t town that's on the island. On it look, looks like a island and it's off, you know, barely attached to the mainland. You, oh yeah, uh huh. Mm -hmm. Remember seeing that? No, I was farther out to sea, so I didn't go. I didn't go by there. I mean, I was. I went by there, but I don't remember that little. Uh, that little thing. It looks pretty cool on Google Earth. Yeah, it's. Did, did you it's get up there and wander one, around there? No, we didn't. We actually sailed around it, but uh, we stopped there for lunch, and I. Yeah, I think. I'm not sure. It's yeah. It's only that one's about 
half the distance to Marina Frappa. Or and actually, no, sorry, two-thirds the distance to Marina Frappa. And, you know, the, the town is just built up on this little island. And if you look at it from the right angle, it looks as though it's just a total island, but it's actually connected through a, with a little sandbar. And they do have a little um, marina in there. Um, it's very picturesque, very beautiful. Yeah, look uh, at that little island. It says it's... Um, Konoba. Oh, boy, it's, it's hard to pronounce these words. Prim oh, no, on, on Google Maps, it says it's called Primosten. P-R-I-M-O-S-T-E-N. Okay. Yeah. And I was thinking of Sveti Jura. <laughs> sounds rude. So if you're on, see, that's why I've switched between Google Earth and Google Maps, because on Google Maps, right. I can get the names of it. On Google Earth, it's sometimes inconsistent. So Yeah, and, and it's quite sandy. Well, it looks relatively sandy there, which is not that common. Um, around that area and Marina Frappa was great facilities um, late in the season so it was quite empty uh, it was 70 euro for us to, to stay the night very deep water uh, they put you on the outside wall I think we had 7 to 8 meters under the hull hmm. so yeah yeah fairly deep um, and you know again they had, they had a speed limit coming into that bay I think it was five knots with big signs up so after seeing the other people get a speeding fine we didn't want to yeah we kept an eye on that so it looks to me like uh, Marina Frappa has got um, you know it's got a lot of keys that come out a lot of piers that come out yeah, and, it does. And uh, those are where you're talking about, right in through there then. Yeah, and they have one big outside wall. So they've they got all the little marina piers that come out, and then the main part goes out to one big wall. And if you're only there for a day, they put you on the outside of that, which is fine because it's very well protected. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's well protected. And yeah, even there's a little island on the other side that'll break any fetch coming in from there. So even for the southerly winds, it looks like it's pretty good. Yeah. How was the cost yes. on that marina? Do you recall? Yes, it's seventy euro. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're starting to get into the cheaper part of the season. I'd imagine that during time that would probably be you know 10 10 to 20 euro more yeah okay so so um, you reprovisioned there and headed from where did you get down to uh what is it scota island is where i uh, did a little uh, anchored there a little bit no it was um no it was dev devonic devonic did you go down to devonic island no we went past it actually. okay yeah um i see where it is but uh, the next day, we, we went right past that and went all the way over to, um, well, it's called Marina. <laughs> it's uh, The town is called Marina, and it is part of that area uh, that Tregear is connected to. So if you look at where Tregear is, okay. Marina is on the other opposite end 
of that waterway. Okay. So we're still okay. Tr okay. So I never got up in that area. So that's totally because I was making a beeline up towards Sibinik. So I didn't go over there. I didn't get around Split or Trigger or any Tigger or Trogir. Trog T R O G I R. Yeah. So yeah, that's all. You didn't stuff. go there? No, oh, I didn't go there. You see, now you have to go there. Okay. All right. So because that uh, we actually went there a couple of times during this, this trip. Um, and you know, World Heritage Town, um, it's cool. I mean, yeah, it's a good good place to be. Yeah. So we went to Marina um, because we were sort of, I think we were expecting a bit of a blow to come in, and um, we're after a cheap place to stay, as opposed to we knew that Trigir was going to be more expensive. Um, and of course, the other option was split, which was a little bit further away. We knew that was going to be expensive, but we hadn't seen this part. So yeah, so we went to Marina. To Marina. Now, before we went uh, to for that overnight stay, we sort of sailed up and um, picked a little area where we um, anchored the boat, and it was near um, near. I can't even pronounce it. Kotchik Zveta. <laughs> yeah, I should have switched over to, to, to Google. Um, not Maps, but the other one. Uh, Google, yeah, Google Earth. Yeah, there's Google Earth and Google Maps is what I'm so, switching yeah. back and forth. So if between. you get, so if you look at, uh, if you look at Trigir, Yep, and go um, do west, and it's and, way at the and, other end. Yeah. So if you go south from Trigir, you go across the little bay. Uh -huh. We go across the bay, and there's a like a outcrop. Anyway, there's there's a little island there that's not quite connected, and it's got a nice sandbar. Um, that was a great place to to go for a swim. Um, that night, we headed over to uh, Marina, and we anchored instead of going into the ACI Marina or into the marina in there. Really? Okay. So. It looks like yeah. pretty good protection around there. Was it shallow enough to anchor then? It was shallow enough, and that season we had uh, a limitation of having very little road. I mean, you know, we had mm -hmm. 46 meters of chain, and, you know, that's not a lot when you're putting scope down for an overnight stay, so we were very careful about where we were. Um, this next year we're changing the chain out so so that we'll have something decent probably uh, we'll probably have 300 feet as opposed to you know mm -hmm. not quite 150 okay um so so that was uh that was good and then we moved into the marina we had a couple of days where the weather wasn't the best um so we stayed there and did some touristy stuff in that town and and enjoyed the town you can actually stay at the town dock in Marina as well. Um, the actual ACI Marina is, is very much a charter base, and they don't have a lot of um, a lot of scope to have other boats in um, when they do the changeover. Yeah, yeah, I saw it said Sunsail Charter Base on on Google Maps or Google Earth somewhere yes, along that. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sunsail's pretty big in there, um, but the town the town wharf is available as well and it's a little bit cheaper 
Um, and that's right way down at the end there. So, so is that on the uh, the opposite side of the marinas then? Is that where the town wharf is you're talking about? Yeah, I see it. Yeah, it's 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 exactly across from uh, Marina Agana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep, I see it. And there's a little key that comes out there as well right there. Yep. So that would be a good place to tie up if you if you had, and the costs were I think um, a bit cheaper than the town wharf was was probably about twenty euro cheaper. Did you did you stay at the town wharf at all? No, we didn't. But did, we but, talk, if, but would they have electric would they have electricity there if you needed it? Because that's yep. one of your big things. Okay, all right. Yeah, they did. Okay. Uh, they did. So so Marina Agana was sixty eight euro. Okay. Now, when you uh, so your boat is forty, so Six. yeah, but they 42. do it always by the by the by the square meter in these marinas. At least that was by the, what I always saw on their the price list was that was the square meters you took up. Did you notice that, or were they doing it by the foot on your boat? They were doing it by the foot, but they okay. were obviously doing it in meters. And being thirteen point nine five, we fell just below that fourteen meter mark because if you were you know, if you're a 14 point something, your per meter price was different to under 14 meters. Okay. So, in some in some of the places, but yeah, no, they were. I think I think as far as the, we tend to find that uh, there was a 50 percent uh, increase if you're a cat, obviously. Yeah. And that's maybe where the the square meterage well, comes into well, it. In Turkey, that's how they ca they calculate it. When I've been in Turkey, is by the by the square meter, so they take the breadth and the width right. and multiply it out. So you stayed here three days, then. Um, we stayed. We had, we were on anchor one night, which was free. Uh, we we're in there two nights at sixty eight euro, and we actually had a ten percent discount on the second night, which was good. And then after that, we moved to the ACI Marina in Trogir. And, you know, that place is spectacular. I mean, you know, we, we came in and it was, a, it was absolutely pouring down with rain. Um, totally saturated, standing there, you know, tying up to, to the ACI Marina there. Um, and, but, you know, straight across from us is the old town and the castle, which is all lit up and spectacular looking. Um, it's such a historic town. It's, it's certainly w worth uh, having a look at. Uh, it was close to shops. So, you know, you walk in distance to a lot of shops. It had um, two chandries as well. So it was handy from that point of view. So, it's, you know, good fishing shops, chandry. It was expensive. It was at 80 euro a night. Um, it doesn't seem to have much of a quiet or off-peak season. But, uh, you know, fairly busy, I would imagine, through through the peak time. And that time we were in the ACI Marina. The next time we came along, we actually tied up and gone the town, the old town wharf, which was even better. So, so you kept going back and forth. Now, is there's a... I'm looking at Trogir. I'm looking for ACI. There's three marinas that I see in here. 
There's one to the north and a little bit out of town. A so the one the that's east. closest to the bridge. Um, okay. So that's, that's sort of closest to the town itself is yep. the ACI one. Okay. And the old town is that little island there is what you're talking about. Correct. Yeah, it is an island. You can, you can circumnavigate it. And in actual fact, if you do go to Tregear and you want a provision, you're better off getting in, in the dinghy and going around the back of that island because you can park right next to the bigger supermarket. Okay, yeah, I see the parking lot for the supermarket there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you can drive your dinghy up there pretty much. All right. No, I missed this entirely. I didn't even think about it for some reason. I didn't get over here. And it looks like you can actually anchor around this town as well because it looks like in some of the pictures I'm seeing, there's, there's yes. uh, boats anchored as well. But they probably charge to anchor here would be my guess. Yeah, I think they do, and um, and it's very shallow anchorages. So, like the cats didn't have much problem anchoring, but uh, some of the areas you had an issue anchoring. Okay, uh, the anchoring anchoring area wasn't big, and and it, and it was shallow. All right, but you couldn't go around the you. So it was too shallow to go by the island, going out the other side. In addition, that looks to me like there's a bridge that keeps you from doing that as well. Correct. Yeah, I mean the bridge was built to open, but they don't open it. Okay. <laughs> so. And there's another marina on the other side of that bridge as well. It looks like. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously that body of water, um, you know, goes all the way to Split on that other side. Yeah, and there's there's new marinas going in there, left, right, and center. There's if you follow that uh, land up to across the north there, you'll you'll see a couple of new marinas that have gone in. This would um, be a good, this would have been a good one for me to record because they're zooming around and going in in and out so much, and a lot of people listening to this are going to sort of be at a loss unless they get on Google Earth and start uh, trying to follow us on this. But uh, all right, yeah, yeah, I should have recorded this on for a YouTube video, but eh. It's, getting to be too much work so <laughs> all right so let's go to the yep. one last place for today and that that'll be it and then we'll get it get you back again for the continuing saga and episodes and adventures of the andrews family <laughs> all right you probably get sick of me by then um <laughs> let's see so the next list what's on the list um bubble Vish mooring and then the town dock. Okay. And right. So we left the ACI Marina uh, at Tregear. Mm -hmm. And I, we went to the place that you've been to. Oh, that little was... tiny little uh, little inlet there on Brock Island. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bobiska, um, Bobaviska, or Boboviska. Is that what you're talking about? Boboviska. Yeah. Boboviska. Yep. <laughs> so we moored there. It cost us 200 kuna. Okay. Let's let's see. What's a kuna? Is it like eight kuna to the dollar or something like that? Uh, six. Six kuna to the dollar. I think, yeah. All right. It was six at that point in time. Okay. Well, it could be six to eight. All right. Now, I yeah, don't so, remember paying anything. I think I anchored and nobody ever got me for any money in there. Did you? But you anchored right. in there and they came up and got some money from you then. 
Yeah, yeah, they came out, and you know they come out in the in the rib, which has got Port Authority on it, and he's got his little machine that prints out receipts, and <laughs> you know, so they've obviously they've been asked the questions often enough, like under whose authority, and you know, do I get a receipt, and <laughs> and and they've got all that worked out. So so even if they are faking it, they're doing it really well. They're doing a good job of faking it. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, I tell you what, we absolutely got ripped off on a beer in that place. <laughs> it just, it was like, it was quite clear that there was a tourist price for beer. Yeah. So, you know, and that little town, I mean, there's not much to that little town. It's just such a cute little place to go in and tie up. But the town is, yeah, you walk by it, you know, a block and you're done with the town. It's really not that cute of a town. Oh, no. And uh, did you go into the uh, store there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the little tiny store that they call a store. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think we bought the most expensive uh, cheesecake ever there. But uh, but it was it was a store that was pretty big in size. But you go in there and there's like three or four shelves, and not all of them were full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we took a long walk up the the road there, and the, just because we were bored, there were three of us on board at that time, and. We took a long walk. We went through the town, and then just kept walking and walking, went way up that hill a little ways, and then turned around and went back. And uh, I remember taking the dinghy in and showering in one of those beach showers there at night. Ah, right. Okay. So the other thing is that um, you can take a pretty decent-sized boat all the way up to the town dock in there as well because they have a... So they put all these moorings in. I'm not sure if they were there, but there's they're in a row uh, with with stern, with stern lines going to shore mm-hmm. and a mooring on the bow. And so in that last thin section of that bay, you can actually put, I think maybe up to five or six or ten boats all lined up next to each other. It's almost it's almost like you know having them on a on a jetty. All right, and that's new from since I was there. So that's uh, that's yeah. new since I was there. Okay, and and then we're there, and we're thinking, oh, we're not going to go much further because it looks a bit shallow. And then this this fifty footer comes along and goes right past us and ties up at the town dock, <laughs> which like there was like no room in there. <laughs> well, that's what that's what you do when you watch other people. Then you get a little more cocky doing that things. I know I've yeah. I've uh, I've gone through places after I've seen other boats do it that there's no way I would have done it without seeing somebody else do something like that. But, right. Uh, yeah. All right. So Boba Visca is our ending spot for today, then. But uh, yeah. now you're heading towards. Uh, did you? I, I I just got to ask. Did you pull into Molina as well? No. Not uh, after what you said about it. No, that Molina was a beautiful little town cute little town oh, was expensive I thought, I thought you said it was expensive and it was uh, a bit busy oh it was Industrial. busy because there's a big marina in there oh no what was busy about it was the fuel dock the fuel dock oh, is right, everybody okay. was lined up there to refuel before they took their charters back to split for the day so that was sort um, of one of the last yeah. fuel docks and i stood in line there for about an hour just waiting to get fuel because it's one of the few places that you could refuel there but if you go past the fuel dock and go into the town it's a cute little town but it's expensive. It's it's very expensive. So, right. I think we actually tried to tie up, and then they said, "Oh, you're going to have to pay I don't know twenty dollars to tie up to go into lunch." And we said, "Oh, forget it," and we left. 
So, but. yeah. No, I mean after that, after Bob Luska, we went to um, Havar. We, well, we we went on that island of Brack. Um, oh, there's okay. A famous beach they've got there. So we stopped at that, but I guess we'll cover that next. Yeah. And uh, and then went off to um, Robiska, which is on Havar. Okay. They all start to sound the same, don't they? All the words start sounding the same. So. Yep. Yeah. All right, Jack, thank you. Right. You're, you're, Thanks, you're reporting to me from your boat in Sicily right now, right? Right. So you've got, you've got decent Internet access, it sounds like. Yes. It's not cheap, but it's pretty good. So do you pay, uh, is it through your phone? Is it So you're paying for your own Internet access on your boat? Or is it not the marina? Yeah. No, not not the marinas. Um, it's you. You can get a card through Tim as the provider, and it is 150 euro for 100 gig. All right. Well, we burned which up. Which is a not little... as good value as Croatia, though. Yeah. Well, we burned through some of those uh, some of that some money for you, so we better cut it off here. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're welcome, Frank. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please give it a thumbs up in iTunes. If you have any questions or comments, write me, Franz1 at medsailor.com. I do appreciate getting notes. And if you have any questions, I like to try to answer the questions to the best of my ability. Get out there and go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the fuck gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. Mm-hmm.